A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. My podcasts often deal with distressing situations which are not suitable for children and some adults for that matter. Some of what I discuss may trigger uncomfortable emotions. If that does occur please reach out to Lifeline, Beyond Blue or any other support service or person you feel comfortable with. Please keep in mind that there's always two sides, sometimes more, to every story. My guests provide their recollection of an event or incident, sharing their thoughts and their emotions, but it's theirs. Not everybody will agree with them. I never want to tell any guest what to say or what not to say. So there will always be others that see it differently, and I understand that. Hello, I'm Narelle Fraser. I was a cop with Victoria Police for 27 years, 15 of those as a detective, having dealt with all types of crime, from a stolen bicycle to a stolen life. I witnessed the effect crime has on those involved and became one of those victims myself in 2012 when I was diagnosed with PTSD. However, out of adversity comes other opportunities like this, my own podcast. I'm still pinching myself. Thanks for listening and coming with me as we explore the human side and impact of crime. Now, you know, I would suggest the majority of the child's sexual offending comes from what they're watching. Welcome back for part two of my interview with Susan McLean, the cyber safety cop. Last week, Susan told us about going online as a UC, an undercover police woman, and how she'd never met so many disturbed people in that role. Did that worry you? Uh, she told us how to deal with a computer when we believe a person is grooming our child online, perhaps. How schools are dealing with reports of bullying, etc. And you'll be pleased to know her answer was, quote, very well, <laughs> unquote, uh, about how charismatic and clever pedophiles are in engaging children from every walk of life with no child more at risk than another. Bottom line is, if they're children, they're at risk. And she spoke of how important it is for parents to supervise their children and to educate parents about online predators. So how many of you watched the SBS uh, documentary that Susan strongly suggested we do called The Children in the Pictures? Well, I did, and it was horrifying. But what amazing men, investigators they are, who are trying to locate these sick individuals. This week... 
Susan talks about how exposure to pornography is manifesting itself in young primary school age boys, mimicking what they have been watching on porn sites, the moaning, the groaning, for instance, and with no understanding or comprehension about consent and how it is skewing their view of sex in the world. She talks about the dangers of children and teenagers sharing images of themselves online and how they can be fronting a court for what they thought was a bit of harmless, maybe fun stuff or maybe even trying to impress someone. I really hope, I'm sure, that you'll take something away from Susan's insights into that murky and often dangerous world of online. What are your thoughts on the role of pornography and what that's played in the world of cybercrime? So the exposure to pornography by young people is uh, hugely concerning. And again, if I go back to when I started working in the digital space, um, probably 98% of online pornography you had to pay for, all right? So you might have got the six-second teaser for free, but if you wanted to watch, you had to pay. So therefore, young people couldn't access it because they had no way to pay. They they couldn't go into Woolworths and buy a prepaid Visa card. They didn't have FPOS cards connected to kids' accounts, so that's only come in quite latterly. So that was a hugely protective factor initially, but that's gone out with the dirty dishwater now because, A, if they want to pay, they can because they can trot off to Woolworths or Coles and pick up a prepaid card. Most teenagers have an FPOS card linked to their bank account, so there's the opportunity for them to pay. But on the side of that is the fact that the majority of online pornography is free. So, you know, tick a box, say you're 18 and away you go. We know that young people are getting a very skewed view of normality from watching pornography because pornography as an adult, you know it's not real, it's actors. Um, there is no consent in pornography. Um, in, in the videos, the female always enjoys it. She always wants more. Um, she's never asked um, if she wants more. She never asked to start with. There's just this assumption. And, of course, that's a problem because we know that that's playing out um, in real life where young men in particular believe that that's, that's how sex is. So that brings in the sex education and respect for relationship education is so very vital awkward and embarrassing conversation to parents for parents to have with their children but they need to have them because if you don't provide this information to your children aligned to your values and your morals and, and all of that they will turn to the internet and pornography um, is devoid of morals um, or respect and a recent study of the content so what you know the content of pornography and I think a lot of people when you say pornography, they sort of think of Playboy. Um, and, you know, th- that's not what these kids are viewing. So over 50% of all pornography on Pornhub, which is a really popular place for teens to be, um, includes violence against women. So, you know, these women are bound, they're gagged, they're um, tied up, they're choked as part of the sex act. And this is what we're seeing young people with a very skewed view of, of what normality is. Mm. Funny you say that. I spoke to uh, criminologist Patrick uh, Tidmarsh a couple of yeah, weeks Patrick ago. Well. Yeah, 
I thought you might, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and that's what that's what he said. That uh, the amount of not that we want to go into it too much, but the amount of complaints with uh, in sexual assaults with choking, uh, it, it, they're all they're as a result of what is being played on the the, the pornog- pornography sites. It is becoming almost I shouldn't say the norm. Yeah, oh, it, it replicating is replicating what they're yep, watching. They're copying because they don't know any different. And I can remember, like, and this would have been um, when you're in the job, if you had a child or a teenager committing a sexual assault on someone else, the only avenue you really had at that point was that they had been sexually abused themselves because there was no other way that they would know to do this. Yes. And, and, and that was, you know, in 98% of the cases, that's exactly what had happened once once you got to the bottom of it. But now we have still uh, the young people who unfortunately and sadly have been sexually abused who are then copying that behaviour to abuse others. So that, that certainly happens. But now, you know, I would suggest the majority of the child's sexual offending comes from what they're watching and school primary school teachers will tell me this they will say that um primary school age boys are mimicking pornography in the playground they're mimicking the sounds the moaning the groaning um it's quite commonplace which is really sad because do not think your child can't find pornography online it's really easy. And all little people at some point will look up rude words on the internet. They all do. Nothing wrong with that. But they're not going to land on on the family planning website. You know, family planning Victoria, oh, that's where I'll end up. No, they're going to end up on a porn site. And, of course, that therein lies the problem. Mm. As a light, a light aside, because this is quite uh, deep, but I, when you said about looking up rude words on the internet, I always remember as a kid I looked up the word fart and I yeah. can never, ever forget the explanation where they said it was a small explosion between the legs. You know, I don't know <laughs> how many times I've laughed with my sisters about that word, but you're right. It's just it's just in us, isn't it, as kids to look up rude words and be a bit daring, you know. So, yeah. Um, so we've been talking a little bit – oh, no, I, that's right. While we're on that uh, subject – what are your thoughts on children consensually exchanging sexually explicit material between themselves? And the only reason I'm asking that is I wonder, is it another form of when we were kids, you know, um, I'll show you mine if you show me yours sort of thing. Is there any acceptance of that or not? Um, look, there still is that traditional um, and typical behaviour of young kids, you know, show me yours, I'll show you mine. So that is still there and there is nothing to, to worry about uh, with any of that. But we certainly know that there are other things that are occurring um, that are more than that, that um, 
it's not just a simple show and tell um, and we know that that is based on what these young people have been exposed to, shown or seen. And then if we move up to teenagers that may want to share these images as they believe that, you know, it's part of the flirting or dating process or, um, you know, I often see, you know, really sadly there is a large number of teenage girls harassed for nude photos by boys a lot of girls think that they need to do this in order to be liked or popular or to show they care or to prove that they trust the other person, which is all a load of rubbish. The compounding issue for young people when they're consensually showing these images is that it fits the, def- the legal definition of child abuse material. Now, if a young person has consensually shared these images because they have been groomed by a pedophile, well, they are in no trouble whatsoever. That That's not even a consideration. However, the um, flick me a photo and I'll send you one back can land them in hot water. And, you know, this is a real dilemma because we need laws and we need laws to protect children from pedophiles. And we want those laws to be robust and we want them to be tight and we don't want discretion because we don't want Percy the pedophile um, weaseling out of charges. But then on the other hand, we don't want to criminalise children that are making, in my mind, a stupid choice rather than a criminal choice. And I am all about consequences. Like I'm not a bleeding heart and I'm all about consequences for choices. However, there really is a clear difference between criminal behaviour and a criminal act and a stupid act that may in fact technically be criminal. So we are very lucky in Victoria that about six or seven years ago now. Yeah, we did. Yep. The Law Reform Commission review looked at how could we better manage it. Thank God. And it was off the back of a series of articles that I was involved with with a journalist um, who then um caught the attention of the government who thought, oh, this is not really good, we need to act. So I was part of getting these laws amended and it's really awesome. But this is only in Victoria and I'll explain them in a moment. The other states have been slow to act. The Commonwealth haven't even touched this, which again is concerning because in every state and territory in Australia you have to obey state law and Commonwealth law. New South Wales had a crack at amending these laws. They put um, a statement in or, you know, an exemption about if if the behaviour would be considered acceptable by a reasonable person. Well, what does that mean? Uh, what's a reasonable person? What, you, know, you don't want those words in laws because they're messy. But in Victoria, this is what we have, and I'll, this is it, this is it's not quite how it works, but because I'm going to talk about ticking boxes, but you'll understand. So the three main offences are making, possessing and transmitting child abuse material. So we've got Sarah and we've got Tom. They are both 15. Sarah has taken naked photos of herself and sent them to Tom. Tom's taken photos of himself, sent them to Sarah. So at that point, Sarah and Tom have committed the offence of making, possessing and transmitting child abuse material. Right. Yep. So police become involved because the school becomes aware of it or whatever, What the police then have to do, this is in Victoria only, is that they have to ask a few more questions if you like. So provided the following four elements are present in the case, no charges get laid. So the four boxes the police have to tick are, one, that there was no threat, fear, coercion, threat to further share or on share of the image. Okay, so that didn't happen, tick that box. Number two, not more than two years age difference between the teenagers. No, tick that box because they're the same age. Three, 
Was there adult involved? No, because they were both 15. Tick that box. And lastly, was there any other criminal acts depicted in the photo? No, they were just generic nude photos. Tick that box. Four ticks equal no police charges. Now, the police might discuss the choices with the children, might refer them to counselling, like all of those proactive steps, but no criminal charges will be laid. The really good thing is that there's no way that pedophiles can use that as a way to get out of charges. But let's say in six months' time, Sarah and Tom's relationship has soured and either party then decide to share those images. At that point, that person can be charged. So it's not, it doesn't, it's only while the situation is fine. The minute, um, you know, you move outside those parameters, well, then the law can come down hard on you, um, as it should. But, you know, if everyone just used technology with respect and responsibility, we wouldn't have any issues. Mm. So what about uh, a 10-year-old and a 9-year-old? So that's getting – a 10-year-old and a 9-year-old is getting a little bit more tricky because the age where you're considered legally liable for your actions in Australia is 10 – that's um, why so, I said 10. Yeah, what are people? So, yeah, you know, yeah. so, and we are moving away from that. Um, there's a lot of debate at the moment about should that age be raised, but it's still 10 at the moment. So, you know, if I was dealing with a 10 and a 9-year-old sharing nude images, I wouldn't even be contemplating any form of criminal charges, you know, even if I couldn't tick the four boxes. And that would be really counselling for the children, support for parents and that sort of stuff because that, at that point that's what it's, it, what is needed. That's not to say that, and I did deal um, or had reported to me um, an 11-year-old that did commit a pretty horrendous sexual assault on another young girl in the toilets at their school um, and that is going through the courts and that is rightly so um, because mm. of the serious nature of the crime. And, you know, the child's not going to go to jail but they are going to have mandated support. And this is the thing, often the oh, well, you just take your child off to get counselling, that's fine. But then if the parent fails to do that, well, then no one can compel them. But when it's gone through the criminal justice system, um, as distressing as that sometimes is, then that counselling, that support is mandated. So, in fact, the outcome is actually better for the child because they they have to be supported, they have to be counselled. Whereas if you sort of just say, I expect you to, it doesn't always work. Yeah, from my well, I'm sure you'd agree with me, but you'd have to look at the 11 year old and what's going on at home or oh, what's absolutely. going on in his life when you do something like that a horrendous sexual assault to a, a little girl. There's a lot going on that, you know, maybe, well, obviously people need to find out about to work out what it was yes. that. You know, made him think yeah, like because, that. And do because it. that was not normal exploratory no. behavior no. in any way, shape, or form. And, you know, a lot of it is, a lot of it's not. Um, again, the internet certainly has increased the workload of police. I'll say that, um, you know, sincerely. You know, yes, we had most of these sort of crimes. Um, but the sheer volume, and I can remember when I was running the police project and I was on some of these child abuse material websites and, you know, they would boast, you know, hundreds of thousands of new images every day. And on the um, the documentary last night, um, you know, there was um, 
one of the the detectives, I think it was a guy from the UK that's now out here working, you know, he talked about where he would find something that might have a few thousand images and then a few years later it was tens of thousands and then a few years later hundreds of thousands and into the millions. So the the sheer volume of this content, we do know, and this is a really important thing for parents and carers, when police arrest these pedophiles and they go through their devices to find what they've got stored, almost the majority of the images are what are called self-generated child abuse images. So that means the child has filmed themselves. Now, they've filmed themselves at the direction of the offender, so they haven't just decided to do this. But this live streaming abuse, this, um, you know, touch yourself while I'm watching sort of thing, that's making up the majority of the content. Um, So there is still obviously the content of um, an offender engaging in contact offending, so the offender and the child in the same place at the same time. But the majority of the the videos and pictures are that self-generated. So, again, you know, your child is not going to self-generate this content at the kitchen table or in the lounge room. They will be doing it in bedrooms and bathrooms. And a study that came out of the UK a couple of years ago looked at over 2,000 cases of this type of of offending. 98% of the victims were under 13, so shouldn't have been there. And secondly, the uh, backgrounds in the images were very ordinary home settings, somewhere like a bedroom or a bathroom. Critically, no adult appeared present. So you've got to do, you you must understand that this is real. Um, I don't make things up. I don't embellish the truth. I don't need to. This is the world in which we live in the 21st century. We can take enormous steps to protect our children, but we have to be willing to do that. It's a lot of responsibility, isn't it, for a parent? Like a lot of... Absolutely, and it's so hard, and the platforms need to do better. This is not a it's-your-problem thing. It is a societal problem. We need schools to do. We need parents to do. We need the sport club, the scouts, the guides, the athletics. We need every single thing that um, deals with kids to be singing from the same page. We need the platforms to do more. They need to do better, right? No one can do it in isolation, but ultimately, you know, parents' job, keep their kids safe to the best of their ability. That now includes the digital world. Yeah. You know, you were talking before about bullying. That's that's becoming, well, it's not becoming, it is a huge issue. But, uh, and I can't help but think of there's um, a couple that come to mind. Uh, what was that? Brody's Law. Yeah, but so that, Bro- yeah, Brody Padlock. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I understand that's adults, and we're probably well, not adults. She was a no, no, well, no, yeah, no, she no, was that, eighteen, that, wasn't she? She, she, she was an adult, um, and sadly, she took her own life um, due to the the mental torment of her being bullied. Bullied in her. Yes. 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Part-time workplace. workplace. Yes. Yes. However, yes. when the law was enacted... It is to cover, and it, that was the very first time that workplace bullying became criminal. Before that, it was just a breach of guidelines yeah. sort of thing. But yeah. very clever, the people that drafted that law, it is for children and adults, it is workplaces and schools. It specifically talks about cyberbullying and bullying in schools. So, you know, again, a Victorian first Um a lot of things that are not great about Victoria, especially about not lockdowns. <laughs> However, um, we have got some um, world-leading laws. Oh, that's um, sad. That's yeah, it makes me feel good that we're leading the world because I can tell you, and I'm sure it's no surprise to you, but with the um, child abuse material that I saw as a policewoman, it is still embedded in my mind, something I will never, ever be able to um, extricate from my mind, no matter how much counselling and, you know, everything else yeah, I tried. No, no. no it, you, it, it doesn't leave you. Horrendous. Um, um, and, horrendous. you know, and I think... 
the, the majority of people can't appreciate what it is and what it looks like, nor do we want them to. Like, I mean, that's not what we want for people. Um, but it is the reality. And, you know, when I still hear journalists and other people talking about child pornography, it is not, it has never been. Um, and I remember when I did my first lot of FBI training, um, this comment stuck with me and, and I hadn't probably even thought about it myself that every single um, image of child abuse that you that you are watching, you are viewing a crime scene. Every single one is a crime scene. And, um, and that stuck with me. And, you know, the, the fact that, you know, pornography, if you use the term pornography that, you know, evokes the sense of, you know, consent and things like that, it, it's far from it. It is child abuse material, it is images of child abuse, whatever you want to call it. However, every single image represents a crime scene and we must never, ever forget that. Mm-hmm. Did, did you have much to do with Dolly's Law, the young North, Northern Territory, was she? That and she was. Um... Oh yes, the um, yeah no, um, I'm aware of that. Um, wasn't involved um, in that at all. Um, you know, for me, laws are great, and you know, whenever the, there's a there was another one, um, Libby, someone in South Australia, a young girl, um, that tragically took her own life, and you know, we'll get Libby's law, but we've got laws. This is the thing that that does my head in. We've got laws. The laws aren't the problem. The problem is the lack of application of the law. So, you know, new laws don't don't fix things. And if laws themselves fixed societal problems, jails would be empty. But they're not. So, yes, we need laws and they need to be clear and all of that. But more importantly, they have to be used. So I know that for the first couple of years after Brody's law was brought in, no one was charged under it. It wasn't used. So what's the so point? So what's the point? Mm, yeah. I, I suppose what I like about these sort of laws, like Brody's law or Libby's law or whatever or Dolly's, is it, it makes it personal. It highlights that it can that it does happen out there. And I just think the making it personal, you know, sometimes shifts people's yep. ideas, you know, and I think yep. it, whatever, and I'm sure you'd agree with me, whatever we can do to help any young kid or any person from being bullied uh, has to be a, a good thing. Oh, c- categorically, yes. But can I just say that um, what we need is to try to prevent it from happening in the first place. So, you know, technology is not the bad guy when it comes to cyberbullying. It's the person sitting at the other end of the computer typing nasty messages. So it's got to be um, put together with with education to prevent. But also, you know, you know um, yourself, laws are written in legal language, right? They're not plain English. And whilst there are lots of laws to do with cyberbullying, you often don't find the word cyberbullying in the legislation. And I think that's another key thing in that anyone that is legally trained can look at a law and go, yes, that behaviour fits that, away we go. Whereas a layperson is looking for the word cyberbullying in law. And and, and that's why I think that, that um, Brody's Law and all that it is important in that um, it does, you know, use the common terminology. Mm, Um, And, you know, laws have to be fit for purpose, um, otherwise there's no point in having them. Um, But 
and laws take a long time to change. So, you know, technology moves very, very quickly. Um, you know, I think we need to do better in looking at how do we best capture what's happening in the world today that's going to protect as many people as possible. Mm. You know, I was talking before about that, you know, the effect that um, <laughs> watching, uh, you know, child abuse material on uh, the internet uh, really sort of pushed me over the edge. I suppose you've had to view some terrible cruelty and degradation too. How do you deal with that? Um, yeah, and look, luckily, touch wood, I don't deal with that anymore. I mean, occasionally people send me things, which I very quickly um, pass on and, and delete. But certainly, yes, as a police officer, I saw some horrible things. Um, I don't think you can train yourself to, to manage it. Um, I think it has to come um, in, in your in the makeup of you, and it you know even with the best intention, you can try to forget it, but you won't. So you know it doesn't work that way. I think I was very lucky in that I could um, disassociate the things and put that to one side and not dwell on them. Um, yeah. But, again, You're very lucky. <laughs> but I am very lucky. So absolutely. Yeah, and it doesn't yeah. mean that it didn't distress me and it done yep. or any of that. But yep. I, I could do that. Um, and that I suppose that's just the luck of my genes. There, there's no other way to put it, you know. And I think that that's um, – I remember one of the cases – um, actually, it wasn't child sexual abuse. It was a young boy that was severely burnt. Um, he was at, at um, Scouts, I think, or something, and the leader put metho on the fire or something, or kerosene, and blew it up, and he went up in a fireball. And um, I was involved with that, and I remember going to Children's Hospital and, you know, all of that, and we had to take a whole lot of photos. And, and this is in the days before, you know, you had the special, you know, crime scene photography people to come, you know, you did your own. Um, and I remember I was working um, with a detective um, at the time on it and he actually couldn't look at the photos. He said, I can't, I cannot, you'll have to tell me what's on them. I cannot look at them. And then there was another case um, where we, um, it was a 16-year-old boy and we were charging him with child abuse material offences Um and again, not just an error of judgment, but yeah, it was yeah. legitimate. And a, another detective said, um, it, "It's yours. You, you can do the interview. You can do that. I, I can't do it." And and, and that, that's fine. Like I mean, and I think this is what the police didn't used to do: is allow people to um, step away if they felt overwhelmed, which they should have because then they would have protected the mental health of far more people rather than force them mm. to continue mm. when they were distressed. Um, and, you know, you have every right to be distressed. But, yeah, I think it's really, it really is only, it's only a matter of your genes. that You can't train yourself, I don't believe, um, you know, for any of that sort of stuff. Mm. I really admire the fact that a, a detective male or female, it doesn't matter. But to actually say to you, look, I, I can't do this, can you do this? I mean, that takes – that would have taken a lot of strength and courage back then because – Oh, God, yes. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Because mm. the minute anyone perceived that you weren't up to it, you know, it, it wasn't, you know, happy camping um, yeah. at all. And you've only got to look at um, – 
the plethora of members or ex-former members um, that whose mental health has been, you know, severely impacted um, mm. because of what they were, you know. Yes, there was some that was an isolated case and that was enough to tip them um, quite, quite legitimately. And then there were others that despite, um, you know, believing that it was hard and really needed a break and things like that, weren't given that break. And, again, yes, it was considered a sign of weakness. You sucked it up, that was your job, away you went. Um, And I think that, you know, there is a time to suck it up and keep going. You might hate night shift or you might, you know, all of that, but that's part of the job. But I think at least we've come a little bit further in that um, people are more mindful of someone's mental health and um, we need to keep progressing so that, you know, when I, I say to, when I speak to, to school kids, you know, if someone comes to school with a plaster on their leg, everyone is on top of them wanting to know what happened. You know, I fell over, I broke my leg, had to see the orthopedic specialist. You come to school with, a, you know, um, you've got a bandage and oh, I had surgery on my arm because, you know, I split it open. There is no fear or um, anything when we're talking about a physical injury. Everyone's over the top of, oh, you know, that's terrible. Can I help you? I'll carry your bags, all that. But, oh, you were away from school yesterday. What happened? You know, no child is going to say, oh, yeah, I had my um, psychiatrist's appointment because, um, you know, I'm, I'm not travelling well. And I try to explain to them, you know, your brain is is part of your body the same as any other part of your body. And if it is not working properly, then you need um, to get help, the same as you would go to the dentist, the doctor, the optometrist, and there is no shame. Um, I think we've improved a lot in relation to that, but we've got a long way to go. Yeah, we have, and that's an understatement. <laughs> so with all these online predators, uh, how many or, yeah, how many are being arrested and convicted in a court? Are there many? Look, there is, um, and I think that what has improved out of sight in Australia in the past probably 12 years is the coordination, the collaboration um, with state and federal police and obviously international agencies as well. We don't always get media coverage on it, Um, you know, especially if there's a real child victim, um, it doesn't really make the media because, you know, we don't report on a lot that may um, identify a child victim. So a lot of it um, wouldn't make, you know, the media so you don't know it's happening. But certainly, you know, the police that work in this space and, and the other, you know, detectives from local police stations and that, you know, they would all have a job like this on their plate. And, and the specialist squads, I mean, they are only chipping away at the tip of the iceberg. Um, so it is the fastest growing crime of its type in the world. And that's something that I, I picked up oh, quite a few years ago now when I was over in the States. And last night on uh, the Children in the Pictures, it was one of the, the slides, fastest growing serious crime in the world. So we have to accept it. We don't have to, no, we don't have to accept it. We have to understand that that's real. Uh, we don't accept it, absolutely. And we do everything we can to protect children. Because for me, every adult has a responsibility to try to keep all children safe. Mm. Yeah. So what do you enjoy most about what you do? Um, apart from, as we were speaking about, um, travelling 
business class on flights all over the world <laughs> when you can actually fly. Uh, what do you enjoy most? <laughs> yeah, we actually fly. <laughs> <laughs> what do you enjoy most? I I get satisfaction. I still get satisfaction out, um, out of catching a bad guy. Not that I personally catch them, but if um, and I had one a couple of years ago where you know a a woman that I knew, like not really well, but, you know, I knew who she was, came to me and said, oh, I'm a bit concerned that my sister's husband is engaging in some dodgy behaviour online with kids. And I said, well, okay, you know, yeah, <laughs> that's not much for me. And I wasn't in the police force at that point either, you know, not much for me to go on. Um, she said, oh, look, his name's, you know, Billy Smith and this is his address. And I said, oh, okay, well, you know, Um, that's fine and, you know, if you've got any more, let me know. And then nothing happened for about eight months and then she rang me and she said, his name is Billy Smith, this is his date of birth, this is his address, this is his username and this is the password to his accounts. Okay, right. So he lived in country New South Wales. So I cold called the police station, which, as you would know, is not an easy thing to do to try to convince a random police officer that you're legitimate, especially the minute you say, I am an ex-member. So I got this lovely detective. Um, I said, look, um, I don't have much, but I've got this and I want to pass it on to you and, you know, do what you want with it, but you know, I'm doing my bit. And that was fine. And then I still remember I was laying by the swimming pool in Singapore, having just finished some a whole lot of a whole week of work with schools in Singapore. I was having my final Singapore <laughs> sling by the pool and my phone rang. And it was that detective to tell me that the bloke had been arrested um, and charged with multiple child sex offences. Um, so, you know, that, that sort of stuff makes my day, but what makes my day probably even more is the fact that I prevent. So my mantra or mission is to educate, to prevent. If I can stop, yep, the police can catch the bad guy. That's great. But when they're arresting a pedophile, the harm has been done. So I would much rather the arrest didn't need to happen because the crime didn't occur. So I like to think that in some small way I am preventing um, this offending by through education and that, that's what drives me to do what I do. Well, you seem from what I'm reading and what I hear, you seem to be doing that So and, and keep up. You know, keep up the great Thank work. You. Thanks for everything that you do in trying to keep our kids safe um, and providing parents with some ideas and guidelines in that murky, often dangerous online world. And really, as as we both sort of couldn't help but acknowledge, who knows how many families that you've been able to help, many of which you wouldn't be aware. No, and, and you don't. I mean, I often get emails to go, you know, um, you know, there was an arrest, this has happened. I had one last week, you know, thank you for intervening. The police now are taking my concerns seriously. So, you know, it's nice when people reach out afterwards, but I have no expectation of that. You know, I will do my job to the best of my ability um, and I will keep doing it as long as I can because, you know, it is hard. And I know when I first left the police force, um, there was even less a conversation around child exploitation 
And the the main commentary was, oh, well, you know, she's just talking as a police officer. She's only going to talk about the worst stuff. It's not, you know, you know, don't, don't bother about her because she's only that one, one, one-sided, you know, rah, rah, rah. But at least that's gone to some degree because um, people now are more aware. And um, there's a lot of people passionate about this. I now collaborate with two amazing forensic pediatricians in Melbourne that uh, have the inevitable job of, uh, enviable job, sorry, of doing medical examinations on children that have been sexually abused. However, they are now doing specific research. It's being funded to look at technology-facilitated child sexual abuse. So what is the link between their victim that they've got sitting at Royal Melbourne, um, sorry, Children's Hospital or Monash Children's and technology. And uh, our aim is to educate as many people about that reality um, through, we do a lot of talks to paediatricians and through hospitals, but we are in the process of looking at um, writing an educational resource so that the right information um, can be provided to schools so that they can do their part um, and help children, you know, not to become a victim of this type you of thing. You really offending. practice what you preach. It's, um, yeah, I take my hat off to you. So in closing, can, could you just, so you do speak to schools, you're, you're quite. Yep, so if we forget about COVID, I mean, COVID's impacted everything, but I still speak to schools, obviously I can do it online. Um, I do school-based sessions um, from grade three to year 12, Um and again, not separate year levels per se, but in blocked. I'm usually in primary school three, four, and then five, six. And then in secondary, um, I split them into two or three year levels. Um, obviously, if you're in a very remote school, I would do the whole of secondary school together. Uh, I'm going up to the Mallee in a couple of weeks um, in Victoria. And, you know, one school I'm going to has 34 students. So I'm not going to split them into multiple sessions. I work with parents. So I do parent education seminars. I do staff professional development. Um, I do a lot of corporate work, so especially during lockdown, a lot of the corporates have um, engaged me to do webinars for their workers, um, you know, as a bit of an added extra for them, you know, understanding that it is hard with all the remote learning. Um, I speak at conferences. I write educational resources. I've done that for the education department in Victoria. Um, I do a lot of different things, crisis management, policy review, um, you know, all things that, you know, I wouldn't have thought of when I was in the police force or when I left the police force. But I will say that, you know, when I went over to America and I did all that training, you know, all I wanted to do was to make Victoria Place a better place. That that was my sole mission is was to come back um, brimming with ideas, a head full of things that we could do and we could do better. Um, and then sadly over the, the next 12 months that, that spark was stamped out um, by a variety of different people um, who believed that online safety wasn't something for Victoria Police. Um, and that's when I jumped ship and, um, yeah, it's been great. I've never looked back and I love what I do. You can hear it. So for everybody out there, just to remind you, you can contact Susan through www.cybersafetysolutions.com.au. Susan, thank you so much for your unbelievable insight. That's my pleasure, Narelle. Thanks very much. Thank you very much for having the chat. Thanks, Susan. It's Narelle here again. Thanks for listening and I hope you enjoy the podcasts as much as we enjoy putting them together. 
but to make sure you never miss an episode of Narelle Fraser interviews, hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a rating and even a review. And please share it with all your friends too. And again, thanks for joining us. We have got some amazing stories to tell. So thanks again. See ya. Hello, guess who? Just a quick interruption here to let you know you can now become a Narelle Fraser Interviews Patreon. How exciting! Simply go to www.patreon, that's P for Peter, A T R E O N for Narelle.com and search for Narelle Fraser Interviews. And to all of you out there who continue to support me, thank you so much. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.